Hello and welcome to A History of Electronic Music, Part 10. Welcome to the show. Um, I'm Paul Sheiky, and this is History of Electronic Music Part 10. Um, this time I had planned to do a roundup of um, a lot of 70s electronic music, but instead I've decided to just narrow it down to a couple of people that I've always thought of in a similar vein, and that's Jean-Michel Jarre and Vangelis, and they both have a huge um, influence on electronic music, and also a huge body of work to get through. Um, I'd always planned to compare and contrast the two artists and it turned out that I gathered far too much music together that if I did that in just an hour then I'd only be playing about a minute of each track and you really wouldn't get an idea of what the music's like. Um, So I toyed with the idea of doing the two men separately but then I also thought that might get a little bit boring. Um, So instead I'm going to stick with the comparison but it's going to be an extra long show so it's going to be split into two parts, so part 10A and B, but it will be a continuous uh, comparison of both Jean-Michel Jarre and Vangelis. So let's begin with the one who started making music first, and that's Vangelis. He started learning the piano at the age of four and continued throughout his childhood. I always remember playing the piano, but of course I, I used to, to touch everything and... and whatever I could find, uh, special glasses or, or pants and things like that. At the time, it was not conventional to treat the piano the way that I used to treat. Always with respect, of course. I never smashed anything. Uh, I, will, I think I, I used to smash glasses because I used to, to, to put water and, and tune them and, and produce different sounds. But the piano, uh, I used to put chains and 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 and, and nails and <laughs> whatever I could I could, uh, could find to produce diff- different sounds because for me sound was the the, the the first the primary thing. I was not content to just to play a simple melody. I had to go beyond that. However, before he could go beyond that, he had to establish himself as a composer. And with that in mind, he co-founded the pop group The Four Minks while still at high school. By 1964, The Four Minks had become Greece's answer to the Beatles with a string of hits like this one. (laughs) 
Geronimo Yanker by The Forminks, which was written by Vangelis and also he played the organ on it. Although very successful, The Forminks split in 1966 and Vangelis concentrated on studio work for other major Greek artists. In 67, Vangelis, along with singer Demis Roussos, drummer Lucas Sidoras and guitarist Anagiros Koulouris, formed Aphrodite's Child. On their way to make it big in London, they got caught up in the revolutionary events in Paris in May 68 and ended up staying there longer than intended. This proved to be fortuitous and it was there that they signed to Mercury Records and released their first single. A reworking of Pachelbel's Canon in D Major, Rain and Tears became a hit throughout Europe. Aphrodite's Child from 1968. Also in Paris at this time was Jean-Michel Jarre. His story up to this point is quite similar to that of Vangelis. He learned the piano as a child, was interested in strange instruments like the trumpet violin, and was in a couple of bands, Mystery Four and The Dustbins. Influenced by jazz, which showed him that music could be descriptive even without lyrics, Jarre started experimenting with tape loops and other electronic devices in 1968. A year later, he joined the Groupe de Recherches Musicales, GRM, and studied under Pierre Schaeffer, who introduced him to the Moog modular. It was at this time that he produced his first single, either at the GRM's facility or in his own kitchen recording studio, which included a couple of EMF synths and a couple of Revox tape machines. However, no record company was willing to release such strange music until Pathé Records in 1971. But here it is for you now.
Extracts from both sides of Jean-Michel Jarre's first single. Um, first it was La Cage and second was Eros Machine, written in 69 but released in 71. It turned out that the other record companies that turned Jarre down were probably correct as it only sold 117 copies and the others were actually destroyed making those 117 extremely valuable now. As Jarre was struggling to get heard, Aphrodite's Child was achieving its greatest success. Their Book of Revelation themed album, 666, was released in 1972 to considerable commercial success. It's now considered to be one of the best prog rock albums of all time apparently. And it sort of showed the direction that Vangelis was heading. A more laid back ambient style, but still with a lot of rock elements, as is evidenced here in this track, G&C. A 
GNC from the 1972 album 666, uh, mainly written by Evangelis, but essentially released by Aphrodite's Child. And there's a couple of Evangelis traits that become noticeable there. Um, the use of the human voice in an instrumental way, which is very much something that Evangelis likes a lot. And also the human voice to speak rather than to sing dialogue. That seems to appear on quite a few of his albums as well. But although it was a big success, 666 was to be Aphrodite's Charles' last album. Artistic differences meant that the band had already split up before the album even came out. However, Vangalis had plenty of other job opportunities. Two years earlier, he had scored his first feature film. It was called Sex Power, and here's a small section of the music from it. section of the music from Sex Power which is not a pornographic film it's just a French art house film from 1970 but the music's probably written in about 69 and interesting as well that Vangelis pioneered his own production technique and that and actually played a lot of the music live as he watched the film for the first time and it's something that he's continued to do when he has composed for films but also in 1970 Vangelis scored Frederick Rossiv's French TV series, L'Apocalypse des Animaux, the first of several collaborations with the naturalist director. Vangelis' music for this was much more subtle and minimalist than previously. This is a track from it, it's called Creation du Monde.
Creation du Monde from the TV series L'Apocalypse des Animaux, which is from 1970, but the album was released in 73. Jean-Michel Jarre also got into composing for films and TV in the early 70s, firstly with an album of library music released in 1972, and this is essentially his first album. Uh, this is the title track from it, Deserted Palace. Deserted Palace from 1972 by Jean-Michel Jarre and it's quite fun to imagine what kind of scene in a film that would go over because it's not typical kind of film music really um, but what's even more fun is to imagine what kind of scene in a film this did go over. <laughs> Yes, that music was written for a film, <laughs> and it was written by Jean-Michel Jarre in 1973 for the film Le Grange's Brûlées, and that was zigzag, and I think that was actually released as a single, but it's very hard to imagine what kind of scene that would be over. One review of that album on Amazon that I read described that track like the music from a computer game that could perhaps be called Pac-Man Circus, which, yes, is very true, it's very computer gamey. But all the music from the film is not quite like that. This next track is La Chanson des Granges Brûlées, the song of the burned barns. And it demonstrates Jarre's love of weird electronic noises and a quite overpowering layering of many elements. Almost the opposite of Vagelis' style of film music, really. It's also one of the very few early Jean-Michel Jarre tracks that features a vocal track.
was La Chanson de Granges Brûlée from 1973 by Jean-Michel Jarre. By this point, Vangelis was going it alone. His first solo album, Fait que ton rêve soit plus long que la nuit, which stands for Make Your Dream Last Longer Than the Night, was inspired by the student uprising he witnessed in Paris 68 and was released in 1972. I've only been able to go over a little section of it, but this is part of the track The Hope of Victory. L'Espoir de la Victoire, from Van Gaelis' first solo album. He produced quite a few albums in the mid-70s, and you can see a progression in his style from prog rock to a more purely electronic sound, with a few stopovers at classical along the way. Here's a little medley to demonstrate, and I'll tell you what the tracks are afterwards.
Okay, from start to finish, you heard We Were All Uprooted from the 1973 album Earth, then Heaven and Hell Part 1 from the album Heaven and Hell from 75, and finally Alpha from Albedo 0.39 from 1976. So you can see the progression and how it's happening there. While Vangelis was churning out albums, Jarre was busy in his much-expanded kitchen studio, making the album that would secure his place in music history. Although he couldn't initially find a company to release it, he eventually struck a deal with Francis Dreyfus of Discs Motors, now Discs Dreyfus, and 50,000 copies of Oxygen were made. It went on to sell 15 million copies worldwide. This is Oxygen Part 2. Extract from Oxygen Part 2 by Jean-Michel Jean from 1976. Um, again in evidence, there's love of weird synthesised noises. And here's a little clip that explains where he's got some of them weird electronic noises from, which synthesizers. My very first synthesizer is this one. It's a British one called the Putney, the VCS3. And actually it illustrates very well the, the, the idea that uh, with just a... Uh, uh, just an, a noise like that, or like a white noise, kind of boring white white noise. You can make uh, interesting sounds, musical sounds, with a bit of phasing and, and a bit of uh, musical intention.
And uh, you have some uh, here, some uh, little brothers or sisters of this one. It's kind of portable, kind of James Bond case, spy case of, uh, uh, of this version called the AKS. And uh, what I used a lot to make strange sounds such as that. And there is no memory, so I need few of them for different family of sounds, like like this or like that, like that indeed. Um, apologies for the sound quality on that; it was taken directly from YouTube. But if you go to YouTube, you can see the full clip, and he starts talking about modular synths as well. So it's quite good, and yeah, it's quite interesting. But talking of synthesizers. In around about 1977, Vangelis brought a brand new Yamaha CS80, and it was to become a staple of his musical diet. One of the earliest polyphonic analogue synths, the CS80 has an incredibly fat sound, as well as lots of useful performance-enhancing capabilities, such as being able to split the keyboard and a ribbon controller for pitch bending. This certainly suits Vangelis's method of composing, whereby he tries to play as much live and in the moment as possible. In this clip, Vangelis talks about what he likes about synthesizers and demonstrates on a CS80. But, um, see, uh, what, what I, can, I, can, I can show you is that you can have this very simple sound like... Uh, okay? That's a simple thing. And the same time, at the same time, you can... This sound, you can... You can bring feeling. Change again. Same sound, exactly. Going. In fact, you have a lot of different uh, families of sound. Put them together. It's like a symphony orchestra. It does exactly the same thing. Like a symphony orchestra, indeed. And one of the interesting things about both men's music is that it is very orchestral, essentially. It's essentially electronic, but orchestral. The first album that Vangelis used the CS80 on was Spiral, from which this track is taken. This is To the Unknown Man.
quite lovely to the unknown man from the album Spiral from 1977. Spiral was also Vangelis's first album where sequences were extensively used and it was almost entirely electronic. Jean's music on the other hand had always been almost entirely electronic. You can certainly see that he has a great love for synthesizers but you can't help but feel that he lets the effects they produce sometimes get in the way of the music somehow. He seems to particularly like phaser effects on chords, and it's something that crops up throughout his music. It's particularly prevalent on this track. This is from his 1978 album, Equinox, and this is part two. Equinox Part 2 by Jean-Michel Jarre from 1978. Perhaps an attempt at minimalism, but not quite a successful one if it was. The release of Equinox was followed a year later by a large open-air concert in Paris. The free event set a new world record for the largest number of spectators at an open-air concert, with over one million people attending. The show was also to pave the way for Jarre's future concerts, which are renowned for their spectacular light and fireworks displays, as well as the infamous laser harp, which he plays wearing oven gloves apparently. 
It also started a record-breaking trend, with Jar attracting larger and larger crowds throughout the next 20 years. In Houston, Texas, in 1985, it was 1.5 million. In Paris, 1990, it was 2 million. And in Moscow, in 97, an estimated 3.5 million people. I'd hate to be the person stood right at the back for that one. Vangelis is also quite renowned as a live act, often performed with orchestras and choirs, but always surrounded by keyboards and playing as much live as possible. His concerts are very often semi-improvised, with different versions of his classic tracks thrown in. It was perhaps for this reason that when he and John Anderson had a big hit with I'll Find My Way Home in 1981, Vangelis declined the offer to appear on BBC's Top of the Pops. They played the track anyway, but with some girl dancing oddly in the studio. Um, you can see that on YouTube, it's quite funny. Vangelis first met Anderson when he was asked to replace Rick Wakeman as the keyboardist in Yes. He turned the job down, but he and John became friends and they collaborated on three albums in the early 80s. This was a big hit of theirs in December 1981 and it got to number six in the UK. This is I'll Find My Way Home. Find My Way Home by John and Vangelis from 1981. Some excellent syndroming earlier on in there, so you're just going crazy on the syndrome. 